0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you are a new listener, the PK Podcast is a community inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $19 billion promotional products business. My name is Mark Graham, CEO of Right Sleeve and Common Skew, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Danny Rosen, president of Brand Fuel. And joining us today is a man who needs no introduction, Jay Deutsch. CEO and co founder of BDA, one of the largest promotional merchandising agencies in the world. In 1984, after years of trading sports cards and collectibles with his childhood friend, Eric Bensusan, the two young entrepreneurs started BDA and haven't looked back since. Today, they work with some of the largest corporations and sports organizations in the world, including the NFL, NHL, Major League Base- uh, Baseball, and NASCAR. An avid sports junkie, Jay has attended several Super Bowls. Final Fours, World Series, Summer and Winter Olympics, the Daytona Masters, and more, all in a day's work for Mr. Jay Deutsch. Jay is described by others as an entrepreneur, motivator, philosopher, innovator, and leader. Today we will find out the reasons why he has earned these titles and how his experience in the industry can help others in the Promo Kitchen community. Welcome, Jay.
1: Wow, that's a that's a for a guy not needing an introduction. That was a big introduction. Nice to, <laughs> nice to talk to you, Danny. Nice to talk to you, Mark.
0: There you go. Well, you've got Thank big you shoes for the to fill. work. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, we'll start off with an we'll start off with an easy one, Jay. Um, I know that a lot of people would be fascinated to get a a, a quick version of the history of BDA and how you and, and Eric started as just two entrepreneurs and how you've grown it into this uh, into the business that it is today.
1: Well um boy I think that's probably the best thing about my company is you know the, you know 1984 Eric and I are living two houses away from each other our entire lives we're best friends and you know we're we're true to our 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 core with with loving sports and so we're watching a football game and we we said, Wow, we could we could do a cool T shirt and Seattle Seahawk fans would would absolutely love it. Wow. Uh I'll shorten the version of it, but um, you know, we gave an idea to somebody. Somebody said, Oh, we're not gonna do it. They ended up doing it, sold fifty thousand shirts. Here's a, a nineteen and a sixteen year old that say that's not fair and and we got screwed over and um we went and uh a lawyer said, Well to put anything in writing. It was a very good lesson, very early. But what he did do is he said, "Well, if you're really going to do something, why don't you get incorporated and start a company and you know act like a comp- act like a big company?" Yeah. And that's what we did. November of '84, we then called up the NFL and had an idea for um, the Seahawks and uh, uh, really getting and, and doing specialized merchandise to the Alaska fan base up there and November of 84 we actually got a license from the NFL to do Alaska's team sweatshirts and the company was born and so that history of entrepreneurialism that history of you know when somebody says you can't do something we think we can um... you know and and it's still today Eric and I 29 years later business partners best friends and you know basically brothers yeah. Um, that kind of fuels who we are today as a company.
0: So, I, I mean, I'm going to jump right into it, Jay. So, you're 16 and 19 years old. You're young entrepreneurial salespeople, and you call up the NFL and ask for a license. I mean, most people listening to that would be baffled. Like, how were you able to pull that off? And presumably, you're two young guys that are working out of your parents' house or something at the time. How did you pull yeah, that
1: we're off? Working, well, you know, I, I think 29 years later, you know, I, I don't know that there's an exact recipe for for success, but I think, you know, hard work, determination are, are key words. I also think it's timing and, and a little bit of luck along the way. And um, I'm not sure that same story could happen today. Yeah, just because the world has changed and, and you know, who the NFL is today was not who they were in 1984. Um, but I do think, you know, th- great ideas can be spurned from anywhere. And whether it's in merchandising, whether it's in technology, um, whether it's in, you know, a, a, a bringing something back nostalgic and, and putting a new twist on it, you know good ideas are all around us and you know i'm a big believer of you know if you listen you can hear them but if you if you shoot them now before they're ever told you miss them yeah. and uh, and i and again i think these are some of the cornerstones that we've learned along the way and you can either you know think you read your press clippings and say how oh, great you are you can actually really understand that you know, it's pretty basic stuff when you think about, you know, let's get a good group of people together to come up with, with ideas versus one person makes all the difference. And um, and I think that's what uh, what's really the backbone of, of the success that we've had.
0: Well, I think what's neat about that story is that, uh, and, and, and I'm making an assumption that you were working out of your houses when you first started at, at age 16 and 19, But what I find interesting about what you just said there is that if you think about the typical profile of someone that works in this business, it's someone that is uh, generally a smaller entrepreneur. They might work from their home. They might not have a lot of resources behind them. But what really separates the successful people from the not so successful people is that can-do attitude and that ability just to call that client with the idea that you could help them transform their business and I think that, and, and a lot of the people that we have interacted with uh, over the last many years, I think I'm amazed by how much hesitation there is and how much fear there is to just step up and go and get the business and I, I'm inspired by your roots because even though you've grown to this large, large business that you are today, you started from uh, uh, humble beginnings and beginnings that I think make it your story very accessible to people.
1: Well, thanks. And you know, again, I I appreciate that and and I look, we started with $500 a piece out of my mom's basement and we bootstrapped this company to where it's at today. And I and again, if you if you forget your roots, you you, you typically um Lose your identity, and I think that's a big thing that we've kept over here at BDA. Mm. If you know, if I'm talking to somebody who's you know listening to this and says, "Okay, can I do it?" Yeah, I think anybody can do it. Is it tough? Sure. Yeah. Is, do you have to catch lightning in a bottle? Yeah. You know, for all those stories that I could tell you, there were great successes. I would tell you that there were some really big failures, and. Um, you know, we got a lot of luck along the way. We willed stuff to happen. And, you know, people in this business, I think that's the fun part of this business is that you can be entrepreneurial at different levels. You know, you don't have to have the biggest company to be successful in this industry. Um, and so, you know, I think there's a lot of people in this, in this business that, um, have built nice little businesses and, and, uh, might look and say, gosh, you know, uh, you know wow, I, I would want to be like a Jay Deutch, or I want to be like a BDA in the sense that, you know, it's a it's a huge company and all that. But I wouldn't take anything away from, you know, the fact that they've started their own deal and, and that, you know, probably somewhere along the way someone told them not to do that or, mm. wow, that's risky. And they stepped up and did it. So, you know, uh, look, when I would tell you that, um, when you're 16 and 19 and you don't have a pot to piss in, you can take a lot more chances yep. than when you might be 39 and 36 with families. Yep. And, um, you know, but I, I don't think that should stop people from working their tail off or, you know, being as entrepreneurial as they can within within the means that they've got and, yep. and, and try to go for it.
0: Um. We, we've we've talked a little bit about Eric and your your friendship and your partnership with him and I know there's a lot of people in this industry that are that have partners whether they're friends or family and your the, the, to hear you talk to him or refer to him as a friend almost like as a brother twenty nine years later it, it to me is extremely unusual do you, Do you have any suggestions or tips on how to retain a healthy Relationship and a, uh, sorry, healthy relationship with your partner as you grow and move forward. Like, what what have been the hallmarks of your success with uh, with 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 Eric?
1: Unequivocally, drink a lot. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, look, I I am one of the luckiest guys in the world. Eric is one of the most genuine guys you're ever going to want to meet. Um, we're kind of cut from the same cloth, even though we have different skill sets. I mean, we're extremely loyal. Uh, we're passionate about what we do every day. And, you know, one of the secrets of our success is that we've kind of gone through life together. Hmm. You know, so you grow up as friends. Then, you know, you go through the dating. Then you go through, you, you start your family. And, and, you know, I can, I can see if there's disconnects of, Someone who's got three kids versus a single person that's you know out and about um, enjoying life differently, and so we we kind of grew up together and went through life together. Um, so I, I you know over my 29 years I've seen so many businesses come and go, I've seen so many different partnerships come and go. Um, so I, I I realize how fortunate and lucky I am, right. and and Eric would probably tell you the same thing that. That we've had each other, yeah. and um, you know, for for others, you know, I think the biggest thing is is to find what you're good at and and own it. Yeah. And um, you know, it's easy to be the the Monday morning quarterback coach for what somebody else should have done, but you know, look, over 29 years, I've made tons of mistakes. Eric's made tons of mistakes. And I think once you realize that and you have someone's back and you can build on that, that that breeds a bond that goes even further. I was going to use the word loyalty um, because trust, I think, is built on loyalty. Yep. And, you know, if you don't have loyalty, you can't trust somebody. So, you know, if, if, you, if you know that they've got your back and you know that what they're trying to do and you stay lockstep, I think that's important. You know, even today, Eric and I, we take um, two retreats a year where we just go away for four days. And we, we business plan, we DS, we talk about life. You drink, and it kind of keeps us grounded. Yeah, there might be a cocktail or two. Actually, it's not as much as you think. Mm. But you know, we we you know that that time it helps you know not only calibrate us for business, but I think it calibrates us for our friendship.
0: So, so Or I was going
1: s- to add is is that one other thing is that I would say is that um, you know being in business twenty nine years. You know, I was his best man. At his wedding, he would have been mine, except my brother was, and so Eric was right next to my brother. And Barry Deutsch actually, wor- you know, works here at BDA, too. So we're a first-generational family business, yeah. if you think about it that
0: yeah. way. Well, and and I, I think we want to touch on that in in, in a question or two. But, Danny, you're, when I'm hearing Jay talk about his relationship with Eric, I, I, I'm just hearing it in my head uh, Danny and Robert. And Danny, do you want to talk a little bit about, you, you know, what you've learned from a from a partnership perspective? And, of course, you've been working with Robert from the very early days, just like Jay. Um, is, is there anything that you want to add to that? No,
2: I, I, unfortunately, I don't. Um, I, you know, I love to talk about our partnership because I love the guy. I mean, I've known him just about all my life. There is almost every word that you said, Jay, I'm going – I'm looking in the mirror. I'm, uh, you're talking about my business partner and and myself, and uh, and there's some beauty in that. The difference is that you know we're we're trending towards a ten million dollar business, and and you are a heck of a lot more than, than that. And 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 what you guys have done, and, and you started a little earlier, uh, but what you guys have done is just unbelievably amazing. And I think partnerships are hard. They tell you all the time not to get into a a relationship with your your best friend or your family, but but somehow. In organizations like ours are, are making it work because of you know probably the deep-seated roots that we have in terms of friendship. I mean, Our, our business is built on friendship and there um, and there's some common threads there and, and like you said, we balance each other out with skill sets. So um, I don't have a lot to add, but I did want to ask a question um, because you were talking about uh, failures within your organization. I started thinking about that. Certainly, brandfields has its share of, of what we call falling forward, trying and, and not succeeding and learning from that, like you mentioned. Um, but, you know, turn the tables. You probably interview a lot of people and you ask them what, what their greatest failure was and what they learned from that. Is there something that you can share with uh, listeners about either a failure uh, with your partner, because I think there are a lot of partnerships out there in our industry, or just anything that you've done on the entrepreneurial side where you're, you, you failed and you wish you had, uh, had done differently but perhaps learned something from that?
1: Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know that I could, could pull a failure out from Eric and I. I think, you know, we've just had each other's backs all on the way. And um, so I don't know that I would say that I've had a failure with Eric. But I think, look, there's so many crazy things that happen in a business. And, you know, you can make a bad business decision uh, to give somebody credit which, you know, today, you know, we give, we, work with, um, you know, fortune 500 almost exclusively. Uh, you could probably take that back to somebody not paying us for hard work. Um, you can, uh, you know, you can go back and I, I would tell you some of the biggest mistakes I made were probably around people mm. and they were with bad hires. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I'll share a quick story you know, we had, uh, the proverbial, um, you know, 600 pound gorilla and he was a salesperson that came to us, never been in the industry. We helped him build the business and helped him grab, gain his clients and, and worked closely with him and, and he was very successful, but he was also the biggest jerk about it. Mm. And, You know, he treated people like, oops, sorry, Uh, he treated people like dirt, Um, thank you, Uh, he he treated people horribly, and we were at a period uh, of time in our business that we put up with it because he was that big producer, and the damage that that did within our organization, not just him to others. But the fact that we were somehow telling everybody that that was condoned by us, because we were letting that happen, was really more than we understood at the time. And finally, we put up with enough is enough. And, um, you know, that lesson learned, I think, has helped craft our environment of of our people paying it forward. You know, I mean, it, nobody is too big here. There's people who are extremely, um, you know, successful in what they do, and I think they handle themselves beautifully uh, you know, with how they have how they've dealt with success. And, and they, they want to help others versus, you know, trying to be always the, the, the king of the hill. So, you know, I think I think um, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I made that I let that go on for so long, even though I I knew and loathed it and knew it was wrong.
2: Mm.
1: But um, you know, even that lesson today is still in play here today.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think
2: something to mention about that. There's there's something that we uh, that I heard fairly recently that really resonated there, and it is it is that we hire based on uh, skill sets match. So think about that. We hire based on skill set match, but we Hard ways with employees oftentimes because there's a value set mismatch. And that's happened within our organization more than, than times I can believe and so that, that leads me to think that you know, our organizations really working on uh, on the front end and the onboarding process and do you, you know do you talk about your values as an organization? Do you ask the right questions for hiring on the front end to ensure that you don't have that situation down the road? And, um, and obviously you know we all can make some mistakes but that's a, a great lesson to learn and consider in terms of building values that are a common throughout your organization you know that's a
1: great point Danny and, and I'll chip onto that because I think there's there's values of what your company stands for and the type of character that you want which sometimes can get can get um, confused with personality and and way of doing business. So, You know, an accounting person who says we have to follow standards and says we have to, to, to run this business this way in order to do it the best way may not be in line with exactly the way the sales team might want to do it. And the sales team might say, well, this person doesn't understand the way we do business. And so that sometimes gets confused with values. When I don't think it does. I think, you know, you're, you know, you can have people from um, different business approaches and different styles, but share the same values. You just mm-hmm. have to work hard, maybe, to find the common goals. And, you know, so to to the people listening about, you know, gosh, that person doesn't fit. Well, do they not fit because? Uh, they're going counter to what the popular group wants, or do they not fit because of their? It really is a value issue, and 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 the way their character is. So, um, and then again, if if you want to find that out, find that common ground and see if you can bridge it. And uh, we've, you know, again, having a large company like ours. We've got different skill sets with people with different traits, but they can share the same values and characters. They just may have a different approach on how to get things done or different priorities and so now you're talking about how to get people to work together and um, so I, th- I you know I thought I'd throw that out there that it you know I think it's too easy to throw out somebody because they're not moving with the with the popular crowd
0: yeah absolutely, and I think that I think that becomes really challenging as your organization grows and i was curious to ask you this question jay that as as you and eric grew from your mother's basement selling shirts to the organization that you're at today uh how how have you been able to grow without the growing pains and and Perhaps you could say, well, Mark, we've grown with lots of growing pains, and, and I'm sure that you, you, you've had some issues, but at the, the end of the day, you're still intact, you've grown exponentially. Any tips for, for people that, are, that look at you and say, wow, I, I really want to grow from this two-person company to a 20-person company or a 50-person company or a 10-person company? Are there any pieces of advice that you have as you've gone through that growth trajectory in terms of how you've just kept it together?
1: Well, we only have a certain amount of time, so I'm not going to get the whole business plan out but i you know i think <laughs> I think there's a couple of basics for this business first of all, um, this business is a people business, yep, and you know yes, we sell product, but um, you could have the best price, and you could have a really cool idea but if your client doesn't want to, doesn't like you and doesn't want to buy from you, then it just, it doesn't matter. And so, uh, over the long run, you'll, you'll get beat. So, you know, it's a people business, and I think you have to, when you're growing, you have to understand what your culture is. And that doesn't mean you have to be, you know, go out and party every Friday night with them and all that, it it could mean that you're just a trusted partner with them, too, and so there's different means to what is important to folks, but this is a people company, and quite frankly, I I don't think I've found a business that isn't about people. I mean, you know, maybe maybe some, you know, companies that are chunking code every day and all that, but you know it's about how you motivate people and and how you get people to to share your vision with you and i think that's important um, you know we've done it almost exclusively organically yep i mean i think that's another big difference between us and and the other companies out there and we've we've been fortunate to add a few companies uh, you know in our 29 years When i say a few i mean like 3 but all of them have been great culture fits we are looking for for folks that want to grow with us and are, and are excited about our industry not someone who's just looking for an exit and a paycheck and a way to get out um, and you know we've had tremendous luck with those um, cultural fits but we've also worked hard on them mm. i mean it's you know it's the backbone to who we are and you know today i'll tell you that our our folks you, you would not be able to put them in a room and interview them going well i'm part of another company and i was they are part of the bda family and yep. that is that yep so i think that's a huge huge piece and and um you know t- to that point you know we're our growth being organic tends to get people very entrepreneurial yeah so if you're a small company, you know it's about people. It's about how do I grow this thing. And the last thing I'd say is, is don't be afraid to make money. You know, I think there's been a lot of companies out there that, wow, well, well, you know, we're going to build it. We're going to lose money for four years, and then we're going to grow it. There aren't too many of those that make it. Yep. And, and unless you've got, you know, um,
0: unless you're Amazon
1: pockets. Uh, of a private equity fund that has, is committed to, to writing checks for the next four, four years, um, and most of them aren't even doing that now. So, you know, I, I think it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of basic, and, you know, growth can be good, but it doesn't have to be the gun to your head.
0: Yeah. Well, what, I, what I think is so interesting about what you just said there, Jay, is that if, if you look at... Um, what happens typically in this business, and this is a very general comment, but it, it at a certain a certain segment of our industry will attract commission salespeople that will jump from shop to shop, whether they're distributors or suppliers. But this example is specifically distributor-based, and they move over to XYZ company largely because of a commission split or because of some. Flexible work arrangement, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think what you get, and I'll give you this as my perspective as a a distributor principal, that it's very, very hard to build a culture around a team of disparate employees whose loyalty is largely to the dollar, and and I I can I can understand why we've got as an industry we've got into that uh, issue because of course salespeople like to make money, but. I think it's really interesting to hear your story because you've clearly built a company where you've brought people in to go work at BDA first and then go and sell product second or build culture uh, or, or just rally around this culture. And I think as a result, you, you've got a great team that and, and, and that clearly resonates with us. I think it would be very, very different if you were a company that was just attracting a bunch of different salespeople that may or may not be with you you know, two or three years later.
1: You know, I don't, I, I, I'm amazed, honestly, at the amount of recruitment ads in yep. the magazines. Yep. I, I, you know, and I, I guess there, I guess there is that many people being recruited and, and leaving for a certain percentage, or like you said, a special arrangement and, and whatnot, um, and, you know, we, you, you've you just never seen an ad like that from BDA. So right. we're, that's not who we are. So I, re, I really can't comment on that. I'd probably tell you that, you know, there there's a certain segment out there that are moving for the dollar. There's probably a certain segment that are moving because the company, they felt, wasn't taking care of them or their customer. Yep. And, you know, I think that's that's a huge part of it, yep. is that um, what we have created, and, and we've, we've really um, worked very hard to foster here, is a culture that this company cares about our people. And that sounds so hokey, you know, and even on a, when I say it or I listen to it, it sounds really hokey, but but there, there, you really can have that relationship with the people at the company to the company and to the owners, and you know we we treat this like a family now that doesn 't mean that we don 't have performance goals, and it doesn 't mean that we don 't have standards of working hard so you and and sometimes that bl- that line gets blurred with. People have been here maybe a long time and maybe aren't producing as well as others. And that creates tough situations, but I think you can have standards that everyone understands are fair to everybody. Yeah. I think you start getting, in a, you know, the inequalities of, well, they've been here 10 years so they cannot produce, but if I've been here one year and I'm not producing, then I'm in trouble. So, you know, the standards have to be the same for everybody, but I think the underpinning for us is that people know that we care about them. We care about them through the best of times, and we care about them through the worst of times that they'll go through. And you know, you, the only way that you can actually do that is to live it.
0: Yep, yep. And, and
1: you, know, I, you know, again, so um, I don't, you know, I think the firms that are out there are recruiting, you know, they're, they're doing it because they see that as their way to grow. Um, and yeah, I think that probably permeates their culture.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think Jay, this is an interesting segue. I'd like to talk a little bit about, uh, the story of, of, uh, Susan Brockard. And for those people that are, um, are not familiar with the story, and this has been a very well publicized story in a number of different media outlets, uh, including your, your recent work with Secret Millionaire, but, uh, tragically, Susan, for those listening was a long-time BDA employee that was that was murdered uh by her I believe her boyfriend or her husband during a retreat that you had in Hawaii and I can't imagine how unbelievably tragic and sad that was for everyone but my question for you Jay I think that your your work around that has been well documented but how how did Susan's murder change your role as a leader and did that change your perspective on life, and if so how like h- how has that changed who you are as a business person?
1: well, you know at least I could talk about it now without crying and um you know for those who who were able to see the secret millionaire um and I hate the title, I really do I hate the title everything else about that experience was just absolutely fabulous. Um, and for the pe- people who reached out and, and and gave us our well wishes, we appreciate it. If you haven't seen it, <clears throat> I don't want you to see it because of me. I don't want you to see it because of my company. I want you to see it because why I did it was um, I wanted to get the awareness level up on what I think is one of the most ridiculous crimes in our society yep. and uh, which is domestic violence and <clears throat> so I'll, I'll answer your question I'll tell you I turned it down twice I didn't want to go on national TV and and donate money to charities um, I do a lot philanthropically but I never publicize it we do a lot as a company and we do it as a family we're not out there trying to use it as a PR ploy so this I turned it down twice. I didn't want to do the show. Um, as you mentioned, we were on a, a BDA event, and Susan's boyfriend um, beats her to death. And, um, you know, I'm at a scene that no one should ever really be at.
2: Hmm.
1: And um, and so, you know, it. it I, I don't know that, you know, people ask if am I am I, a am I changed man because of it. I don't know that I'm a changed man, but I'm more of an inspired man to to say that I can do more. Um, and so when, when I got back from from Hawaii, <clears throat> I had to sit down with her daughter. I mean, Susan had worked with us for 15 years. She had been Eric's assistant at one point, my assistant at one point. She was a, an amazing BDA. Um, family member, where she had worked her way through the company. She was a director of operations, running a big group of, with a lot of responsibility. Smart individual, um, just one of the people that you went to when you're having a bad day. And and uh, she was a force in the company. And yeah. um, and so she, uh, you know, 15 years here. You know, I obviously there were kids, and so. I had to meet with her 16-year-old daughter, and we 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 sat down, talked, and um, after three-hour crying, you know, getting pissed off at the world session, we decided we were, you know, and and uh, Maddie basically said, "I don't want my mom's death to go for nothing," and um, and at that point, we resurrected the opportunity at Secret Millionaire to to get this message out. So. Um, you know, the secret millionaire experience, the, the, the whole thing is basically they strip you of, of everything. You don't get to talk, you really don't know where you're going. You don't know who you're going to see, what you're going to do. Um, they give you zero money They put you in a, in a really tough neighborhood. I was in a, in a, Financially, bad neighborhood, but I'll tell you, the people in that neighborhood were unbelievable, and I call a few of them my friends still today, and that happened over two years ago that I went and did this experience, and what, what I found was is you know that day that Susan was murdered, I had no exposure to domestic violence, and yet four months later when I went through this and got to meet a lot of the people along the way, hmm. um, how pervasive it is. I mean, this is, uh, you know, the stat of one out of every four women have had an um, aspect of domestic violence or sexual um, violence against them is staggering. It's the number one call to the House for police, and they say less than 10% are reported. I mean, this is, I mean, that's chronic. If I, If I told... Everybody here that one out of every four women in your company is going to get breast cancer, what would you be doing about it? Yeah. And yet, one out of every four women are going to have this in their lives, and, it, and it's a, it's a senseless crime. It's, it's like somebody, you know, if, if you went out and got mugged, you, what would you say? Oh, yeah. well, I just got mugged once. Yeah. What are you talking about? You would be like, what? Yeah. This is not acceptable. And so. Um, you know, when the veil of this innocence is kind of taken off and you, you know, you're, you're holding a dear friend and, and you you see how many people's lives are impacted by this, um, I, I'm, I, you know, my company, including myself, are not just standing by and just letting it go, Mm -hmm. and we ran into it, we said we're going to do something about it, um, the family was extremely supportive about that and has continued to be. And we have, um, you know, we're we are doing a lot. And so, again, I've the outpouring from that show has been unreal. Today, literally today, I uh, I got a a letter from a lady, and it touched me so much that I actually called her. We had a conversation today, and she shared her whole story with me. She didn't ask for money. She didn't want to know you know, what, what's going on or, or, you know, how can, how could somehow she tie into BDA or me, she just wanted to tell a story and she's like, you know, and, and so what I told her was by telling her story, by her telling it, she can help save lives and, and when you, when you say it like that, you're like, oh, can it really happen? Yeah. Unfortunately, it happened to us. So I feel like, um, you know, like I said, I could talk about this all day and, and I'm, doing a lot of speaking on this and um so i don't know that it changed who i was and uh i just think it 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 inspired me because i watched people who were doing this every day when the camera wasn't on them and when they there wasn't an ulterior motive other than to help people and um my company is doing that with with this cause as well as many others um and so you know, just like a family we we've rallied around um this cause and and you'll see us continue
2: to do more
0: well and Danny, this is yeah. sorry go ahead Danny
2: it's almost it's almost like this uh this idea of um of your work family um your the extended family um has taken another step into the community in a way based on this situation, not that you weren't doing that before, but um, you're sharing that story, uh, man. I think we anybody's listening to this really appreciates it. I saw the episode, and and um, and I will just tell anybody who's listening to check it out. ABC's Secret Millionaire, and uh, and check out Jay's Jay's part in that. And um, you know, I think I'm like, how much of this stuff staged? And then and to hear you say it's not really staged, you don't know what you're walking into. Makes this. Um, Real, it makes it really clear that it, that it's just such a real thing. This is not about ABC ratings at this point in time. Um, it's almost confusing for me a bit, but I, but I, then I hear you talk so passionately. It's almost like you've been given a platform to share this message about, about domestic violence, and and it's a probably you know turn it back a little bit. Um, you know, this is something that keeps you up at night, obviously. But maybe we can just shift gears because this is some heavy stuff. Um, what what keeps you up at night in the working world um, and maybe go back to the promotional products industry and and sort of what are the challenges you see ahead and talk a little bit about that
1: first of all it's probably good that you got me off of it because I I am so passionate about it and yeah. the last thing I will say is that if, if anything you know whether you watch a show or not you know there are people around you that are probably being being affected and don't, don't judge them, judge the assholes who are doing it. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I, I really, you know, that's the stigma about this thing that's so ridiculous to me is that somehow, you know, the victims are the ones who are actually trying to help the people who are doing this to them. And it's the most, it is just a crazy, um, codependency deal but they prey on the people who are the most helpful. And so help goes around you because uh, they need it. So yep. <clears throat> um, I'll shift gears, and uh, thanks for, for letting me speak my mind on that. Um, but, you know, what, what keeps me up at night is just keep my people fired up. I mean, you know, we've got, you know, in, in this business, it, it's fun. We do some great things, but it's demanding. I think all of us know that it's demanding we've got you know challenges from clients and and their challenges could be uh, healthy challenges like a you know I, I've got new projects that need to be done in seventy two hours and it could be unhealthy projects like remember that art well I didn't decide on it well I'm now going to change it and I'm going to put it all on your shoulders to make it happen um, so there's you know there's a lot a lot going on and so my 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 goal is to make sure that our folks understand where we're going, understand how they how they play a role. Um, I love to keep people growing, and this is what you know keeps me up at night. That I that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do.
0: It's like you're you know you're the head cheerleader, Jay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I, I, uh, I am a head cheerleader, but I, I feel like I'm also uh, you know I'm looking for opportunities. That that people may not see either, you know. So you know, it's it's very rewarding. I mean, I I, I love it when you know our people are successful. I, I, honestly, it, it, it's probably the number one satisfaction that I get.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I I'm just taking a look at the at the time, and I, I think that uh, we probably have time for uh, one or two more questions, uh, Jay. And I. I I've, I I wish that I could sit here and ask you another 10, but uh, I don't think it would work from a time perspective, but we will have to do a part two if you're open to it. Um, One theme that we have talked about on this podcast over the last uh, year and a half or so has been this concept of growing past happy. And This is uh, uh, not my term. It was a term that uh, a gentleman by the name of Danny Sermon who runs Zebra Promotions in uh, Alabama had uh, had talked about when we were on a podcast with him, successful distributor in the south, and you know what he was talking about was this idea of how distributors or even to suppliers of business people in general can can they're so desperate to grow that they grow past happy, and that can mean a whole all sorts of things. It can mean having the 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 burden of too many clients, or the burden of too many staff, or having the 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 overhead that then crushes them, and. I was always really interested in that concept because of course people look at the people that have the large businesses and they get the press and they they're on the top ASI lists and they and and, and this this that or the other thing. What do you think about that concept Jay? I mean I I'm I think I know what your answer is going to be and and you're a wildly optimistic and positive guy but I'm curious about that. I mean has BDA did you ever flirt with growing past happy, or have you not even reached that stage where you could possibly think about what that stage would be, given that you're on such a tear?
1: So I'm curious, before I answer, what do you think my answer is going to be?
0: Well, and having spoken to you for the last 45 minutes, I, I, I think you're going to say, "Deck with that, we haven't grown past happy, we're, 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 we're rocking and rolling, we've got great clients, we've got a great family of employees, and we're, we're still focused on hitting X revenues. Um, but I, I don't... My gut is that you have not grown past happy at all. But I think a lot I... of people that would want to be like uh, at your size, um, I think would probably reach a quarter of your size and be desperately unhappy. And I'm really curious about that because a lot of people have discussed that theme on our podcast.
1: You know... I, I will tell you that you could have a two-person company and be happy or unhappy just as much as you could have a 500-person company and be happy or unhappy. I think you make you happy. Yep. I, I you know, I, I, you know, again, I'm not trying to to be over philosophical, but I, I, I think that's it, you know, you're either glass half empty, glass half full. You know the whole grass is greener on the other side. I mean, you go to those type of sayings, but you know what do you gain satisfaction out of if you are you know just calling your business and you love to be in front of the customer and then you're going to put yourself in a role that you never talk to the customer and you're only dealing with banks and bills and lawyers you're not going to be happy you're not going to be happy if that's if the, if that's what your passion is about and in you, your, and you're not doing what you love to do every day. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a simple concept to get up and do what you, what you love to do every day. I think the first thing you have to do is really be honest with yourself as to what you love to do. And, you know, I think the stuff of, you know, being on a cover of a magazine, or, or you know, getting on the top of a list—if if that's what you want and that's what you do, you know, that, that's what you want, then go for it. I don't—I think that's just ego stuff. I think what really makes people happy every day is: you wake up, you're happy with the person next to you. When you when you get up, do you are you excited about your kids and and making the most of it? When you come into work, are you are you pumped up about the things that you you're gonna accomplish or you can accomplish and you love the people that you work with? That's what makes you happy. I mean that that's that's the that's the seeds of success. Um, the other stuff, you know, you're gonna have stuff that you have to do that you're not a big fan of. That's okay. Probably and you may have a stretch that you may have to deal with it on but you know i think happy i take happy as a as a bigger issue you know i i'm always a big believer it's hard to be unhappy in a personal situation and then be happy at work you could have a relief at work, but it, it affects you. Likewise, you could have a great personal relationship, but have a bad work environment, and it's going to affect you. Yeah. You know, you, it's hard to bifurcate the two. So, you know, when I hear, you know, do you grow past happy? I think you can maintain that just so long as you're, you're honest with yourself and what you want to do. Now, I will general, genuinely say... Bigger does not always mean better. It just means a different set of challenges. And if you are up for those challenges and you're excited by those challenges, great. But if you're looking for the bigger to make you happy, I think you're looking in the wrong spot.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, um, it's funny, Seth Godin, who was on our our podcast um, fairly recently, put something out just today and he was talking about um, talent and I was scrambling to find it and I found it. Um, he was talking about the, uh, the truth about the war for talent, everybody looking for great talent, great skills, HR is constantly struggling to find the best people. And he says the truth is it's not about people with great skills, although that's important, it's it, and it's not about just filling slots. It's about finding someone who's got, got great attitude. And I think some of the stuff blends in. And he says, uh, he pulled this up because there are a few jobs where straight up skills are all we ask for. Perhaps in the first violinist in the string quartet. But in fact, even there, what actually separates winners from losers isn't talent; it's attitude. Yes, we should be having a war for attitude. So an organization with the honest. Motivated, connected, eager, learning, experimenting, ethical, driven people always defeat the one that merely has the talent every single time. And I think there's some of that in what you're saying because finding the right people with the right attitude—those that are happy—you um, know, how do you get them on the proverbial bus? And what a great way to sort of end this podcast. I mean, I, I, uh, I just want to say, you know, you and I have been friends for a while now, and and, um, and I'm so glad and grateful that you've you joined us, um, but also in a really transparent, honest, humbling sort of way. I don't think we expected all of the, all that you shared. And, and I know Mark and I on the podcast uh, community that's listening uh, through Promo Kitchen really appreciate the Jay.
1: Well, I enjoyed it. And, and, and Danny, you're, you're a great guy. For those of you who don't know Danny personally, he's, um, he's one of the good guys in our industry. So thank you for the kind words. It means a lot. Thank you.